Hi everyone, I'm Wendy Murdoch and this is Webinars with Wendy. Um, today is Memorial Day, so I want to give a shout out to everyone that served and protected our country, and especially to all of the animals that protected our country. There's a lot of unsung heroes for horses and dogs that fought in the wars, and they deserve to be recognized as well. Um, today my background scene is the poppies that I have the Fl from Flanders poppies that are growing in my garden. That's actually my garden. Um, and so, and I've got my red, white, and blue scarf on. So today my guest is Jillian Crimebring, and I'm so excited to have her as my guest because we were supposed to meet at a Surefoot workshop in May at Jillian's place. And of course, with the pandemic, that didn't happen. And Jillian and I have kind of been like, like passing in the night. I kind of think about it as like alternate universes. You know, we're getting really close and then we go off in different directions. So we've never actually met in person. So that's one of the reasons I am so excited to, uh, to thank you, Jillian, for joining me here on Memorial Day to talk about horses and hyoids. Awesome. Thank you so much, Wendy, for pulling this all together. I just love how creative people have become during these times. And in some ways, I feel more connected than I ever have before through um, internet platforms. So thank you, and I am so excited to meet you at least kind of face to face oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's great and then i think we we try to i think we rescheduled for you to come back to the farm yeah we rescheduled so, for november and i'm and by then i'm sure i've already um sat down this weekend i've written kind of how to do workshops in in the world of pandemic and um the surefoot workshops are easier than the riding ones because we can keep the social distancing and that sort of thing so i think we'll be able to get those going here pretty soon i'm really fingers crossed Awesome. I'm, I'm so looking forward to you coming. So I'm glad we got it re rescheduled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just, just tell us, uh, since I haven't met you before, I, I, I don't really know your backstory. So if you could just kind of give us a little overview of, of where you've been and how you got here. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I live in Texas presently, but really I'm just a, a Midwest girl. I'm from Iowa. And I was uh, really lucky to grow up in a horse family. So, you know, I was riding in the womb, so to speak, with my mother. And it was, I just, I just feel like I had the, the perfect childhood because all of my best friends were always horses. And we had so many horses on our property all the time because my parents, they bought and sold a lot of horses and um, traded horses between friends and, and I grew up in a sale barn, which, you know, I know sale barns have a really bad rap, but it was a wonderful place for me to develop my eye for horses because all the old men who would sit around the auction block, you know, they pointed out um, anatomical flaws that, you know, the people in, in the audience should know before making a purchase. So it was a really great place for me to learn as a child. And uh, when I was eight, um, my father had uh, found himself in the in the stallion business so somehow he had acquired a stallion and along with that stallion came many broodmares and then we started our breeding operation and we bred quarter horses and pain horses so you know of course one of the best ways to market horses uh, is to start competing so at eight I started to compete in um, you know, the local quarter horse shows and, and paint horse shows. And at that time in Iowa, they had a really strong association called the American Stock Horse Association. Yeah. So I just then became a show rat 
You know, we were at a show every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, slept in the horse trailer, and just had a, a great time um, showing and competing horses. And it was at that time, um, back in the day, you know, the, the horse show community, the people were just so lovely. And um, I had amazing teachers. A lot of them were, you know, old cowboys who, who spent their life working with horses and just being in the business. So I, I, I developed, um, I would like to think, a, a good horse sense simply because it was just my entire life. And uh, my dad had instructed me in high school, he said, Jill, if you, if you, if you want to make money and enjoy horses as a hobby, you should go to school and not make horses your profession. So I listened. And I, I went to college and, uh, and I got my undergraduate degree, but of course, every break I had, I spent on a horse riding at somebody's place and continuing my learning. And um, the day after I graduated from college, ironically, I was offered a head training position um, at a quarter horse ranch in Germany of all places. Wow. So my, my dad was, thoroughly disgusted with me as I um, wasted education, right? to put my four years of education on the back burner just to go out and play with horses. And, and, you know, the universe has just provided that path to me time and time again. And so I feel just so blessed and, 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 and so fortunate to have this passion and to have had just amazing opportunities open up to me. Um, so thankful to so many people and so many horses along the way. So uh, I packed up this little girl from Iowa who was a total greenhorn. I packed my little suitcase and got on a plane and moved to Germany. And, uh, and it was a wonderful time there. Ein bisschen. Very little. <laughs> I, know, I know how to order a beer and french fries with mayonnaise. That's important. Then That's I would completely cover. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it, it almost covers all the food groups. So anyway, in uh, Germany, um, we uh, showed and competed, and I had a you know a string of training horses, and I learned so much in Germany because it was the first place that I actually was um, introduced to classical dressage um, terms and ideologies and techniques. And it was also during that time when I was in Germany, um, because I was so pressured to, to compete and to do well, that I felt like I was probably, no, I, I wasn't probably, I was um, applying tra training techniques that, that just weren't good for the horses. They were um, techniques that were good to train horses to meet a particular trend so that I could be competitive. Yeah. And towards the end of my stay, um, I started for the first time in my life not to really enjoy my time with the horses mm. um, because I think I knew down deep that it wasn't in alignment with who I am, but I didn't know another way. Mm -hmm. So that's when I chose to leave Germany and I moved back to the States and, um, I followed my dad's lead again and decided to go to graduate school. Um, and in that time that I was applying for graduate school, I was trying to make a living by 
doing the only thing I really knew how to do, or at least I thought I knew how to train horses. <laughs> so I was training a few horses. And um, during that time, I, I had a riding accident and I broke my back. And so I'm sure many of the people that know me, they've heard this story. But for those of you who haven't met me, uh, that, that riding accident was, was very transformational for me. Um, because when I was uh, laying there in the pasture with my broken back, um, it was the first time I really had the realization that everything that I had done with horses up to that point in my life, other than when I was a child, was really driven by my ego and um, what I thought the horses could do for me. You know, do people think I was a good rider or a trainer? Or, you know, how many ribbons did I win or how much money did I win? You know, and I, and I realized when I was laying there with a broken back that none of that really meant anything. And, and I realized at that moment, excuse me? How old were you? I was 24. Wow. I was 27. I knew everything about horses at 24. Yeah, but that's, I was 27 when the horse fell on top of me and broke my hip socket. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, it changes, it really changes everything. And, and I really realized I was just a dumb sock. <laughs> I, I really didn't know hardly anything about horses at that point. Yeah. Um, so it was very humbling. And, and in some ways it, it confirmed my deepest fear, which was this deep-seated fear that I, that I just wasn't talented at this thing that I felt so passionate about. Mm. So um, that really sculpted then what I chose to study um, at the university. And, and I figured, well, if I, if I was going to actually learn about horses and, and be the steward that I wanted to be for horses, I needed to learn about the species. What is a horse in terms of his physiology, um, his functional anatomy, his mind, his, his spirit, his, his a sentient being. And, and I need, and I need to, to learn about who this other life form is and how I can best co coexist with this animal and provide a healthy, loving, um, happy uh, relationship between horses and myself. So uh, it was during that time at the university then that I focused my studies on functional anatomy and that led me to uh, learning about postures and um, how horses are supposed to move in a way that keeps them healthy. Mm -hmm. And then it just happened to be at that same time um, I met Peggy Cummings oh. who started to tell me <laughs> about my own body. <laughs> And uh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a small world. And I actually met Peggy on 9-11-2001, right after the Twin Towers fell. And she was the first person I took a lesson with after I broke my back. Wow. And so it was like my whole world was shook twice really hard on that day. Wow. And um, so ever since then, between my accident, my, my injury, and, and meeting Peggy about and looking at human biomechanics, um, my passions just become to learn as much as I can about horses and human bodies and how to fit those two um, beings together so that they can move in, a, in the most healthy and optimal way and, and to really be artistic in our expression with one another. And that learning journey is just never going to end for me. And that, that's for sure because, 
the, the end the learning is endless and uh, I always like to tell people too that you know what I might teach today is truth for the moment because I could learn something by the end of this talk that we that we're sharing and and change my perspective altogether so um and that anyway really that that, that that's basically how I've come to do what I do now. It's, your, your story is so fascinating because um, I didn't realize how many parallels we had. Um, you that's know, crazy. Yeah, flip over and roll over me and punch my femur through the hip socket. And when I was laying in a hospital bed, somebody gave me a Tellington Jones Equine Awareness newsletter <sighs> and a little book called Richard Bach, uh, sorry, Illusions by Richard Bach. And I just got a, 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 an email from the mother of the woman who gave those to me in the hospital. Her name was Hunter, Hunter Purdy, and I was in Kentucky. And her mom just sent me an email and said, do you remember Hunter? And there's no way I could forget her because she changed my life in that, you know, handing me that newsletter. So, and then I met Sally Swift. So it's so fascinating for me to hear your story. I, you know, that's really- That is so amazing. <laughs> you know, in that first lesson that I took with Peggy, she said, have you ever considered getting any body work? And I, I, I didn't say it out loud, but in my head, I thought, I don't even know what body work is, wow. you know? So uh, she also gave me permission to take care of myself, yeah. you know, and, and because you have to care for oneself and, and understand oneself to, to engage in this dialogue that we have with these animals. So, wow, that is so cool, Wendy. Really? Yeah. It gives me chills. So, um, yeah, me too. I have goosebumps. I know. It's like, I can't believe how many parallels and just that. But anyway, now that we've met, I'm sure we're going to be able to get together and spend some time and, and, um, share more stories. But, um, I think we need to roll on here for the webinar. We could, I think we could talk all day long and never get to the topic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, I have the gift of gap. So blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so so what I did for for today's talk is I just put together a little um, PowerPoint. It's it's a smaller version of a larger PowerPoint that I teach in my relaxation class, um, and I'm I'm simply going to just outline um, the basic anatomy of the hyoid apparatus. Awesome. And it I mean that's something we could talk about for days, but uh, I, I'm always a person who who wants to know the why. Mm -hmm. So if I underst understand um, the anatomy, then I understand why I might be exhibiting a certain behavior or a lack of a certain behavior. So um, the hyoid is just such a fascinating um, mechanism within the horse's body. And it's become quite popular in recent years in terms of people having an awareness of it. So I'm just going to lay out some some I have basic one uh, and get started. Yeah, Do all mammals have a hyoid. Oh, that's a great question, and I don't know. Okay, because I know I, that we have a hyoid. Yeah, we absolutely have one. Um, yep. And I I know that there's only two mammals that don't have seven cervical vertebrae: the sloth and the manatee. Mm -hmm. Actually, two different sloths mm -hmm. and the manatee, but. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if it's a mammalian structure. Oh, that is a great question. And I don't know the answer to it, but I bet somebody who's watching knows. Yeah. So if they want to type that in there, oh, Pamela knows. I knew okay. she will okay. know. Pamela will know. Yes. Okay. Awesome. And Pam's going to be my guest tomorrow. I am so excited. Yes. We did a little yes. test zoom and I got to see her bone room and I'm like so excited. This is like, you know, candy. <laughs> <laughs> 
We're geeking out here, folks. Okay, we're geeking out. Oh, oh. All right. We are totally geeking out. Because like I said, we, we, we could chat about our life paths forever. And, um, and we'll do that when I see yes. you in, public, in person. Okay. So shall I go ahead and, and share my screen then? Yeah, let's do and it. And then pull the PowerPoint up? Okay. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen. And then every once in a while, I'm going to unshare my screen. Uh, because I have some, um, you know, I have some of the bones here. Themselves. Oh, yay, show and tell. <laughs> yeah, just a little show and tell. I don't have anything like Pam, but That's it'll okay. help with. Um, stock tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, this this will this will help because when we look at pictures, they're just two dimensional, and, and sometimes it's hard to conceptualize. So when you actually see the whole structure, it 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 can help, you know, connect the dots. Great. Cool. There All right, go. so I'm going to go for it. Yep. I'm, going to sh I'm going to share the screen. Yep, and I'm just going to check Facebook Live to make sure everything's going well. Yep. Okay. All right. Did that pull up okay? Yep. All right. So, again, this is just going to be a, a, a short lecture, and I'm just going to be outlining basically the scaffolding of the horse's hyoid. This slide is really cool um, because it shows the hyoid and, and how it hangs within the horse's internal structure. Um, but in a little bit, we'll look at, at an actual skull and how the hyoid hangs within that skull in a bit. But first, let's take a look at some of the scaffolding by, by building the um, hyoid apparatus. So the hyoid, the master link. Um, I wanted to start off by reading a little excerpt that I wrote for uh, the late Mark Russell's um, newest book. And I wanted to start tonight's little lecture with this because it's very easy to look at structures in isolation um, to learn about them. But in reality, it's not so simple because everything works in concert with one another. So even though tonight we're going to be looking um, and isolating the hyoid, uh, I wanted to read this passage because it shows just how interconnected everything is. So, the rider's mind affects his body and his hands. The rider's body and hand affect the reins. The reins affect the bit. The bit affects the tongue. The tongue affects the hyoid. The hyoid affects the temporal hyoid and the temporomandibular joints. The temporal hyoid and temporomandibular joints affect the atlanto-occipital joint. The atlanto-occipital joint allows for soft lateral flexions. Through these gateways of relaxation, the rider educates the horse's mind and the horse's body. The journey of sculpting the horse with mental and physical wellness begins. This is the essence of artful and academic writing. Be in love with the process. So everything is all connected. So let's take a look at just one of those pieces tonight. Let's take a more 
um, specific look at the hyoid apparatus. So a lot of times when you're reading about the hyoid, they're, they're referring to the hyoid as one mechanism. But in reality, the hyoid is comprised of many bones that are held together by these tiny little cartilage-like joints. They're, they're like these little ball bearings, so to speak. So if you look at the slide and you look at this graphic here, um, this is the hyoid um, apparatus and it internally lies between the branches of the horse's jaw and it actually hangs from the base of the horse's skull internally. Once I'm done with this slide, I'm, not, I'm gonna stop sharing my screen and I'm gonna bring up um, a skull and I'll show you uh, where this hyoid actually hangs internally within the horse's skull. So the hyoid um, suspends it also supports and it provides alignment for the horse's larynx and his pharynx and the tongue during breathing and swallowing. So it has an important job and it supports other soft tissue structures within the horse's body. If we look at the scaffolding of the hyoid, it is actually comprised of five delicate bones connected, as I said earlier, by the soft tissue joints. And these bones are very fragile. So when I uh, hold up a, um, my hyoid here in, this, in, in a minute, you'll see just how delicate these bony structures are. When you look at the graphic, you're gonna see that each bone is a paired bone, all but one, all but two actually. The first paired bone is what's referred to as the stylohyoid. They're strap-like um, bones. So and if, I, if I hold this hyoid up now, the stylohyoid is this long portion of the hyoid bone. There's one on the left, as well as one on, <clears throat> on the right. The next bone that's a part of the hyoid apparatus is the serratohyoid bone. Now, this hyoid that I have, I actually don't have those bones. Instead, I've improvised and um, built those bones with two pieces of wire, okay? The next part is the thyrohyoid bone, and that's the part that makes a U back here and that supports the thyroid and the larynx and the pharynx, okay? In between, we have a short little bone right here. That's a very important bone, particularly when it comes to muscle attachments, which we're gonna talk about in a little bit. That little portion of the hyoid is called the basihyoid bone. And then very interestingly enough, we have this long projection that juts out from the basihyoid, and that's called the lingual process. Lingual. So what makes that very interesting is that the lingual process is actually embedded in your horse's tongue. So I have another uh, isolated piece of the hyoid 
Can you I, I love it. Screen so we can see it bigger. Oh yes, I can. Yeah. Let me see how to do that. Just go up to the top and it'll say there. You, yep. Oh, uh, stop share. Stop share. There. there. You go. And I'm going to be spotlighted so we can really see this. Okay. Very. Right. Hey, that's better. Very yeah. good. Okay. So this is the portion of the um, hyoid. This is the lingual process. And that is the part of the hyoid that is actually embedded in the horse's tongue. And I love how Deb Bennett explains this part of the hyoid. She says it looks like a little slip on spur. And it does. It looks like you could just slip it onto the back of your boot. Okay. This um, particular hyoid that I'm showing you right now is a hyoid that was put together for me by, actually by one of Ida Hammer's students. Oh, awesome. And she so, yeah, she so cleverly put this um, hyoid together. So what she did is she added two little magnets here and here. So that allows me to take my stylo hyoid and I can connect them by the magnets and there I have oh, that's my entire um, hyoid apparatus. And I like this because oftentimes a hyoid is referred to as a swing and you can see because of how she placed the magnets that you can see actually how much mobility there is within this, the, the hyoid apparatus, okay? So these are the bones of the hyoid and we're gonna talk um, much more about how the hyoid now actually um, attaches to the horse's skull. Wendy, is there any more that I should show via the I, camera? I just want that bone 3D printed so that we can all have one with, uh, to show people. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this one, see I put my, I put, I usually write my, the words of what the bony pieces are. Yep. Um, this, this came from a very interesting uh, specimen uh, about three years ago, I had a student email me and told me that there was um, an ad on Craigslist for um, someone who wanted to get rid of a bunch of horse bones for a dollar. So I, I emailed this gentleman and I said, I, I was very interested in these bones because they're so, so wonderful as teaching aids. And uh, he says, well, I'd really like to know a little bit more about what you do. And, and I thought, well, that's kind of odd if he just wants to get rid of these bones. But I sent him to my website and told him what I did. And he wrote me back. He says, well, I think you're a perfect match for the bones. And I'm like, oh, great. And he said, well, how big is your horse trailer? And I went, oh, how many bones are we, are we talking about here? And he says, well, I have it on an eight-foot base. And I went, is this a fully articulated skeleton? And he says, oh, yes, it's a museum-quality horse skeleton. So... He, this hyoid was actually attached to, to that entire skeleton. It's absolutely gorgeous. So I got a fully articulated horse skeleton on Craigslist for a dollar. I got to go to Craigslist. I got to I know. <laughs> I mean, I just, I was like pinching myself. Like, well, so this is like a dream. Thank you, universe, for providing. Well, and so often with the hyoid, because it's such a fragile bone, when you, when you, um, you know, go to find a horse skeleton and the hyoid's gone. It's either mm -hmm. been thrown away or it's dissolved because it's so thin. And, and I know how fragile that is that you're holding there so carefully. So, you know, that would be awesome if we had it scanned and 3D printed because then you wouldn't have to worry about traveling with it. And have to oh, absolutely. So you can see how thin these stylohyoid bones are 
<clears throat> and that's why they call them strap-like, strap-like yeah. bones. And we're going to talk here in just a moment. This is uh, the end or the caudal back part of the stylohyoids. And these two areas articulate or they come together within the horse's skull at the base of the horse's skull. So anytime you hear me use the word articulate, it simply means where two bones come together. So we're gonna actually look at how the hyoid itself attaches to the horse's skull. Awesome. Okay. I th I'll, I'll go back and share my screen now, Wendy. Yep. Yep, so cool. I'll do the spotlight. Oops, All right. Not pause the recording. No, I don't want to do that. We're still recording. Yeah. There we go. We good? Yep. Okay. So um, I just wanted to bring your attention again to the basohyoid bone. The basohyoid bone is the connector part of the spur, okay? And we're going to look at why that part of the hyoid is important, and that's because of some very important muscular attachments. So we have some key hyoid muscles, okay? Um, Dr. Kerry Ridgway did some amazing research on the hyoid and, and he talked a lot about um, the muscular attachments and, and how often horses can be sore in these muscular attachments, um, as well as Dr. Uh, Mack in California. And it's true. Um, this is a very, very delicate structure within the horse's head, and um, the muscular attachments um, are, are, are way more vast than what one might think. This is the reason why it's difficult to isolate anything, because it's all so intimately connected. When you look on this graphic, which was beautifully illustrated by Susan Harris, uh, I'm going to highlight just a couple muscles. There are more um, muscles that um, are important to the hyoid, but these are just a couple key muscles that I want to bring your attention to. Uh, the first one is the sternohyoid and the sternothyroid. So when you study anatomy, sometimes it can be really intimidating because the names are long and, and they seem foreign with their Latin roots um, and prefixes and suffixes. But if you look at the words themselves, oftentimes they're just telling you where they are located within the body. So when you hear the word sternohyoid, it simply means that there is a bone um, or that there is a muscle that attaches to the hyoid and goes all the way down and connects to the horse's sternum, hence the sternohyoid muscle. So what that means is when you look at your hyoid, and you have your basohyoid bone right here. The sternohyoid muscle attaches right here to the basohyoid, which is also a part of the lingual process. So now you have a muscle that attaches to the basohyoid and connects all the way down to the horse's sternum. So what that means is your horse's tongue is directly attached to your horse's sternum. That's nuts because we also know in anatomy that the, that the whole body of the horse is just slung between the front legs without a bone. So that means if the body at all gets crooked in between the horse's front legs, that is gonna pull tension on the hyoid itself. So one of the most amazing things that I've ever seen a rider do was 
I was spending some time with Manolo Mendez in Australia. And he rode a couple circles and he said, my horse is using his tongue more on one side than the other. He could feel that in his reins. So he got off the horse and he went and he did all of these hyoid muscular um, releases, got back on his horse, rode a few rounds and said, now my horse is equal in the bridle. So we can't forget that when we put a bridle on, we are in intimate and close contact with all of these structures that we're going to be talking about tonight. It's very fascinating to think that our hands are directly talking to these internal and very delicate structures. So I just so, want to interrupt you for a second and make sure people are seeing your screen because I got a little note that they could only see me. So somebody pop me a chat and let me know you can see Jillian. Just want to make sure we're good. And then we have a whole bunch of hands that shot up. <laughs> um, and so if you've raised your hand, it's easier for me to manage if you put your question in the chat because then I can see if it if it's appropriate to have it now or if we should just hold on to that question and answer it a little bit later as we continue. Um, yeah, you can see, okay, great, no worries. Okay, we're good. Wow, okay. everybody's helping out, thank you. All right, onward, Jill. All right, <laughs> cool. Um, okay, so you have the sternohyoid and then that sternohyoid is, is paired with the sternothyroid. Again, sternothyroid, it's a muscle connecting the sternum to the thyroid, which is, again, intimately connected with the hyoid. So these paired muscles insert on the basohyoid uh, bone, which is a bone, a part of the larger hyoid apparatus, and onto the lingual process, which is embedded in the tongue. And it, it originates or connects to the manubrium of the sternum. That's just the front part portion of, of the horse's sternum. And these muscles um, are responsible for, for the retraction and the depression of the tongue. So whenever I hear that, I think about going to the doctor's office when they stick that thing in your mouth, uh, and they, it's called a tongue depressor. So these muscles are responsible for that. So if you think about it, if you have a bit in the horse's mouth that's not quite resonating, and he is being forced to depress his tongue, is it possible that he could be having some tension and bracing in these two very muscles that we were just talking about? I would venture to say yes, that that, that is very possible. Um, the second uh, very interesting muscle that I want to draw your attention to is what's referred to as the omohyoid. And the omohyoid um, also inserts, it's also a paired muscle, there's one on the right and one on the left. It also inserts on the basohyoid, and it extends and connects up underneath the horse's scapula. Um, to some, some fascia. So it's what's referred to as the subscapular fascia. Just means there's fascia under the scapula, and that's where the omohyoid connects. So now, again, the horse's tongue is directly, essentially, connected to the horse's shoulder. So you can imagine if the horse is crooked or asymmetric, which they all are, that you're going to be having tension on <clears throat> these, this structure, this hyoid apparatus within, within the, the horse's head. So um, very important um, to, to be aware of what we're doing when we put a bridle or a halter or anything on the horse's head. Again, you are having an intimate conversation 
with these structures. Okay. Any questions, Wendy, before I go to the next slide? Uh, no, I'm just, I thought I could make you big while this, while your PowerPoint went small, but now somebody said the screen went black. So uh, I'm going to stop trying something fancy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Onward. Um, I Onward. I think it's probably like a um, because I thought I could do that, but apparently not. Maybe just unshare your screen when you're when you're describing some of these things because um, it worked for me for a while. Let me just see what they had to say. Okay, so we do have a question since we took a break. Um, okay. Um, and someone says, "How common is it to rupture the hyoid muscles off the hyoid apparatus?" Hmm. I, I wouldn't think that is. I'm speculating. This is conjecture. Um, I don't think that happens very often. Um, I'm not saying that something like that couldn't happen, but we see all kinds of atrocious injuries in the horse's mouth um, due to training practices. And it's not uncommon for um, the hyoid <clears throat> muscles to uh, become broken. Yeah. Or if, if the hyoid um, is a subject of a lot of pulling and um, bracing and tension. Those little tiny uh, joints can form arthritis. Um, and that goes a little bit beyond the scope of what we're gonna talk about tonight. Right. Um, but there can be lots of damage done to the hyoid, uh, either through pathology because there was some sort of accident or, or through training practices. Yeah, I would, I would think given the strength of the muscles versus the thinness of these bones that you're much more likely to damage the bones as opposed oh, yeah. to the muscles. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Onward. Any other question? Uh, let's see. Do you, um, so someone's asking, do you mean for the hyoid bones that they could be broken? Yes. Yes, they absolutely can be broken. And I've seen many, many x-rays um, of broken hyoid bones. Um, it can be sometimes as simple as you drop a rein and the horse can step on it and, and torque, torque themselves. I've seen um, horses that have had pieces of wood that get lodged accidentally in between their um, mouths. I'm always inspecting my horse's mouth. Um, so yes, it's, it's actually more common than one might think that, that, that these, these fragile and delicate bones can be broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, one, one other question along that vein, I think it's a good one for, um, if there's damage to the hyoid and there's calcification, does that affect proprioception? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, it's actually a syndrome called THO and, um, I'm going to come back to that question because we're gonna talk about the joint, uh, where the hyoid connects to the actual skull. And if, if, if that is affected and we start to see um, arthritis in this region, you, it most definitely will affect a horse's proprioception and their entire vestibular system. Mm -hmm. So anybody who has taken a class for me knows that I really love to build cases. So I layer one um, slide on another. So hang in there because we, we will get uh, more into that topic here in, in the next few slides. It's a great question. Okie doke. Yep, let's go. All right, hit it. Oh, 
I should tell you before I go to this next slide, I'm looking at a gross anatomy picture or okay. I'm looking at a dissection picture. So if you're a little squirmy about that sort of thing, um, I'm just, just, giving you, just giving you a warning. Okay, so as I had mentioned earlier, um, there's a part of the hyoid apparatus that is embedded in your horse's tongue. Now we don't have that, do we, Wendy? Our I hyoid's not in our tongue. No, I I think it's the same. Is it, yeah. is it the same? Yeah, but okay. yes, it is actually, because I did an anatomy course where we built comparative, and yeah. Yes. Oh, that's, I, I had no idea that ours was also embedded in our tongue. Yeah, so, I'll, I'll double check on that, but. Um. Yeah, that, that's super interesting to me. Um, Cross-species comparison is fascinating, because I'm a dork, so <laughs> I really get that sort of thing. So anyway, so this lingual process of the hyoid is embedded in the horse's tongue. And you can see that in this, in this dissection picture. Um, you can see that the hyoid, you can see those long strap muscle or those long strap, strappy bones. Those are the stylohyoids. They extend down. And at the root of, the, of that tongue is where the, the uh, lingual process is embedded. So uh, pulling on the bit... Now, everybody pulls on the reins. Even the best writers in the, whole, in the universe pull on the reins, not intentionally. And oftentimes, we just have unconscious patterns. But it's the repeated, constantly pulling and torquing of the horses um, when, when, with a bit in their mouth. So when you're doing that consistently, pulling on the bit can cause a horse to draw their tongue um, up to protect their palates, to protect their mouths. And that creates a lot of tension on, on that uh, surrounding musculature that I was just talking about. Even though I only mentioned two bones or three muscles, there's many more muscles in there. But when, when, when the horse is protecting himself from a bit or something in his mouth, he can, um, he, he can be hypertoning those muscles um, and creating uh, tension and soreness. So hard pulls um, on the tongue can sprain all those tiny little joints in, in the hyoid, and um, it can actually break those bones, which I had just mentioned. Um, and it can irritate that constant misuse of, of the horse's tongue that he does to protect himself. Um, if, if that becomes chronic, what, what can happen is it can irritate the joints that connect the horse's hyoid to his skull. Now, those joints are called the temporal hyoid joints. There's one on the right and there's one on the left. And we know that if there is um, chronic inflammation, what that can do is that can result in arthritis. And if you have arthritis of a joint, what happens is you lose mobility of that joint. And that can affect what is known as the vestibular system. So we're gonna talk more about that vestibular system here in a minute. I'll describe to you what that is. But first, let's take a closer look at uh, these um, temporal hyoid joints. So, so as best I can figure with the human, it's, it's not that we don't have the same projection into the tongue the way a horse does. Um, mm -hmm. I, I can't find an absolute equivalent. There is a hyoid apparatus and they have the, um, but I'll keep looking. 
Yeah, that's cool. I'd be so interested in knowing that because I know that Thomas Nagel's book, I'm sure you're very familiar yeah. with it, The Zen of Horsemanship. Um, I think he has a fascinating ex excerpt in there about the human hyoid and how that relates to the horse's hyoid and the psoas connection. So um, anyway, I'm getting off track. The, um, uh, the paired stylohyoid, the epihyoid, the serotoid, to, yeah, serotohyroid and thyrohyroid mm -hmm. and central basohyroid, but it doesn't mention the lingual. The lingual process? Right, that I can okay. find. Okay. okay, that's good to know. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Okay, so in the picture on the right, I think it's your right, you can see the stylohyoid. And the stylohyoid are those two long bones, those two long strap like bones. You can see where those two bones come up and they attach to the base of the horse's skull, okay? And here in a minute, I'm going to stop sharing um, the PowerPoint and, and so we can make the screen bigger so I can show you on a, on a skull here, okay? In the drawing, um, again, this is a drawing by Susan Harris, beautifully illustrated. Um, it, it labels the temporohyoid joint. There's actually two because you've got one on the right and you have one on the left. Again, the temporohyoid joint um, of the hyoid apparatus connects to the skull at, um, connects the hyoid to the skull. So this joint is where the paired stylohyoid bones articulate with what is referred to as the petrous temporal bones. We're gonna look at that too in, in, a, in a second. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop sharing and we're going to go to the big screen. I'm going to show you uh, the horse's skull. Okay. Make sure that you're big. Hang on. Okay. Spotlight. There we go. Okay. So we have people um, that say we have a hyoid apparatus. I think the question was whether we had that lingual process. That um, is correct. And that's mm -hmm. really, we'll keep, we'll keep working on that Quinn. Yeah. The, um, I'm in my tack room, so I've got flies and they like me, I must smell bad. Um, so I'm gonna back up here a little bit. Here, here is the horse's skull, okay? Again, this is the horse's hyoid. Now, if I take the horse's skull and I turn it on the side, and I'm gonna come here a little closer, okay? You're going to see this little bone right here with a hole in it. Okay, now I'm going to turn the skull this way. This would be like if you had an internal view or an internal look at the skull. Okay, here you have the little hole in the skull. This bone right here, this whole bone, is actually called the petrosal bone. We're going to talk about that in a second. But if I come in, and you're going to see you're going to have another petrosal bone on this side and this side. This bone right here is where the hyoid connects. Okay, so um, if I don't know if you can, if I can get much closer, but right here is where the hyoid connects, and that is the temporal hyoid joint here on the left, as well as here on the right. Now, if I take my hyoid, I can articulate or bring together the hyoid at the temporal hyoid joints. And that is how 
the hyoid hangs and articulates from the horse's skull. Does that give you a good look, Wendy? So cool. <laughs> okay, so, and you can see that the lingual process, here we go, I'm gonna connect it again. That lingual process is embedded in the base of the horse's tongue, so it'd be hanging in here like this. Okay. Does that give everybody a, a pretty good look of how that articulates? Yep. Okay. So nobody's, we do have one question that I think is appropriate here. Um, yes. Could you briefly describe symptoms or behaviors that a horse might exhibit either with past or current hyoid pain? Mm -hmm. um, so, um, what is very common are horses that will, will exhibit a slight head tilt. Mm. Um, horses, like if you're asking them for a lateral flexion at the AO joint, they constantly just want to tilt their body. They get a little off kilter. Sometimes these horses will uh, doggy trail. Um, I don't have time to talk about this connection, but there's a, a cranial sacral connection. So oftentimes what you're seeing in the cranium is being reflected in the sacrum and vice versa. So you can have a horse, if they're having problems or arthritis here, they'll start to doggy trail or they'll bring their haunches in and they'll walk really crooked and sometimes they'll, they'll circle. And oftentimes that, sometimes they'll say, oh, this horse had a stroke. Um, this is an, an extreme case, of course, but what happens is that there's actually arthritis setting in. Uh, you can also see um, uh, nostrils being held hot, one higher and lower a little. Uh, you can see um, paralysis in the, in the face. Now, that doesn't mean that that re absolutely relates to the hyoid because there can be other things going on, too. Right. But these would be some of the things that you would see. And because of these muscular attachments, um, what I think we tend to see more is extreme crookedness in horses. Yeah. And, and because their vestibular system or, or their organs of balance are not working with the most mobility um, that, you know, as they should. And so it throws their balancing mechanism off. And this is all of a, a part of a larger system within the horse's body called the stomatonathic system. And I can go really geeky with you all on that. Um, but that stomatonathic system is what's responsible for two major things. It's responsible for all of the horse's mastication and it's responsible for the horse's equilibrium or the horse's balance. So for me as a rider, for somebody who's very passionate about the development of horses under the weight of a rider, it's very important to me that this somatonathic system is working ultimately at its highest functioning. And if I have a disbalance, I know within this hyoid apparatus, I know that my horse is going to be showing more asymmetric movement patterns than what he normally should. Well, and, and wouldn't you agree that, you know, dental care is going to be, play a part in this whole thing because oh, we're the jaw and all the connections. And the other thing that I just wanted to point out is there is no perfectly symmetrical horse person, no one. And if you look at a horse's face, very often you'll see their eyes are at different levels. So yes. there's an innate asymmetry in the system right from the get-go. Yes. That, and that's so cool because I just did this cool talk for Equinology 
on, on functional asymmetry. So, so we have different, you know, when you look at a horse, if you look at all of them long enough, have you ever noticed they all look totally lame? Yeah. I mean, if you stare at all horses long enough, you're like, is he lame? He, he just looks off. God, is he short striding? You know, and most likely he is, but he's not lame. He's just asymmetrical, right? And so all horses are, and as you said, Wendy, all humans are, are asymmetrical and that's called functional asymmetry. And the cool thing about functional asymmetry is functional asymmetry is determined by these um, central pattern generators within the spinal column. And, and those CPGs are what um, determines um, for, for instance, how much a horse can, can bring a leg forward and bring a leg back. And most likely it's not going to be equal from side to side. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but it won't be a huge difference. It just won't be 100% symmetrical. So th these CPGs also uh, determine the pattern of gait. What makes it a four beat walk or what makes it a two beat trot, right? Or like in gated horses, what makes it um, a running walk or a stepping pace? Right. And, and so that can add to that, that idea of functional asymmetry. So if you see a little asymmetry in a horse, don't go, Oh, it's the hyoid. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. It might be if it's something outside of what is considered normal. Yeah. Right. And then the other thing that creates it asymmetry in horses is, is what we refer to as sightedness. And that's actually determined by the brain hemisphere fears of the brain is a horse right-handed or is a horse left-handed. Right. So, you have asymmetry, you have functional asymmetry, you have sightedness. And, and if those things aren't addressed, that can then lead to lameness, right? right. And we have so to add injuries in there because horses yes, pathology. Field, fall down, you, you didn't see it happen, you know, the next thing your horse is moving crooked or, you know, yeah, there, I mean, life happens and there's all yes. these different ways in which we can insult the system and we're never yes. going to prevent them all. But we no. do our best. And me, I put crookedness into my horses all the time. Exactly. You know, if you threw me in an x-ray machine, you'd go, oh my God, that's an 85-year-old woman, right? Because I've been pretty broken. But, um, you know, we, we do play a big role in, in that asymmetry. So right. if you have asymmetry in the horse, it doesn't necessarily mean it pertains to the hyoid. Um, I would say I would look at the hyoid if you see extreme asymmetrical movement patterns. Um, or if you just notice from day to day that there might be something a little off, it could be something as simple as a muscle that just needs to be released, which we have wonderful bodywork modalities today that address these, these very issues. Right. And, and along that vein, I was just going to say that, um, doing any work on a hyoid is, is the job of a professional because you can damage the hyoid trying to adjust the hyoid. Um, and so, you know, this isn't something that people should just go out and think, oh, I'm going to mess around with my horse's tongue and fix something. You can actually make it a lot worse. So Absolutely. it's always important to get a good diagnosis and evaluation of your horse and have a trained professional who knows what they're doing before they start messing around with this incredibly, incredibly delicate system. Absolutely. Like, especially if you see somebody grab your horse's tongue and the horse resists that and they hold on and they're fighting, ask the person to leave. Yeah, because that is a very fast and quick and easy way of of actually damaging these these soft tissue structures. So yes, it's it it takes some knowledge to be able to um, address this mechanism in, in in a safe way. Right. So, 
Okay, so um, that those are the temporal hyoid joints. The temporal hyoid joints again are, are simply the two joints that attach the stylohyoid bones of the hyoid to the skull of the horse. Okay. Okay. And I'm so, going to go um, back. I a comment for clarification. It's the lopsided usage of the muscles in the hyoid apparatus that causes proprioception and vestibular pathology. Okay, that's the question. Um, is okay. it the lopsided use of the muscles that causes proprio proprioceptive and vestibular pathologies? And I think that's a really tough question to answer. You know, yeah. it's, it's not a, you have to realize this is a really delicate and very intricately involved system. And um, there's, we're looking at just one tiny little piece, as Jillian said in the beginning. Um, and the, the purpose of this webinar isn't to like solve all these problems. It's just to make you more aware of just what, how incredible this system is. And for me, I'm just fascinated to see it's so delicate and it just hangs there. It's, you know, hardly yeah. touched. And it's so amazing to, to see all the connections. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to go back to my screen share. Yep. Okay. So now we're going to look at um, this petrous temporal bone. Sometimes it's just called the, the, the rocker bone. Um, and I will pull up my screen again so that you can see this. So the temporal hyoid joint is a part of a, of a small bone called the petrous temporal bone. So if you remember when I showed you the horse's skull, there, there was um, a hole, okay? That's a part of this petrosal bone. And it, it partially forms the base in the side of the horse's brain case. It has very ragged edges. So if you were to, to actually hold this skull that I was holding, you would, you would feel that it's a very sharp and ragged edges. Um, it's a very hard bone and it should always have movement. That's very key. Um, uh, some refer to this bone as the rocker bone. So again, if, when I make the screen bigger and I put my fingers on this petrosal bone, I should be able to move this bone easily. It doesn't have a huge amount of mobility, but there is mobility here. So we're gonna talk about that more here in a bit. So where the stylohyoid connects at the temporal hyoid joint, it is a part of this bone here called the petrosal bone, and it should move. Now, what is really cool about this bone, everyone, is that this bone, and again, I'll make the screen big so you can see it, where I pointed out that hole. That little hole is what is referred to as the external auditory meatus, okay? Essentially what that is, is that it houses the external auditory meatus where the tiny bones for equilibrium and balance are located. Basically, the horse's inner ear. So, oh my goodness, the hyoid is attached to the horse's tongue and the hyoid is attached to the horse's inner ear. Okay, so by the way of uh, what's referred to as the vestibulo-ocular nerve, this is where 
the horse's sense of balance is. This is your horse's equilibrium system. So think about that. Oh my gosh, the hyoid is embedded in the tongue. The hyoid has a direct connection to the sternum and the shoulder. And the hyoid also has an absolute direct connection to your horse's uh, vestibular system or his system that regulates his balance or his ability, his proprioceptive feedback mechanism to tell him where he is in time and space. So it's very, very important that these structures remain as healthy as possible. Okay. Any questions about that, Wendy? Uh, no, I think if you make your screen, if you unshare your screen so that we can see that bone on the skull, I think that'd be really helpful. Okay. Let me see what my next. Okay, great. So I'm gonna uns I'm gonna unshare this one more time. Okay. I'll just spotlight you. There okay. There we go. Okay. So again. Before we looked at this bone here and this bone here, these are the petrosal bones. Right here is where the hyoid connects. Right here is where the hyoid connects. And then if we take a closer look at the petrosal bone in general, right here is your external auditory meatus. In this little hole, right here, this is where the horse's inner ear is. So I don't know if anybody has ever experienced vertigo or inner ear infection and how off you feel in time and space. This is the same mechanism in the horse, which the hyoid is directly attached to. Okay, so right here. Now, as I said, this bone is sometimes referred to as the rocker bone. I should be able to easily move this bone. If this bone loses its ability to move because arthritis sets in, that is when you start to affect the horse's balancing mechanism. So again, as particularly you know, from my friends who are osteopaths and, and just being involved in osteopathic school, I, I, I didn't finish, but I took many modules. Um, we, we learned as osteopaths how important it is for the joints to remain mobile. And this is one of those joints that absolutely has to remain mobile. If this joint loses its mobility due to arthritis, it will have a very um, large effect on, on the system in general. Now, I do know that there is um, a surgery where they can go in and they can remove some of that arthritis and then that will help restore the, hor the horse's balance. But if you have a horse that is off balance, I, in my mind, because I wanna be a keen observer, let's say I have a horse that I've had for 10 years and I'm working him and working him and everything goes great and all of a sudden he starts to tilt his head. All of a sudden, he starts to hang a little bit more on the side of the bit. My first idea is going to go, mm, do I have something going on with that hyoid? Maybe I need to call a, a professional out to work with it. And, and later, uh, Wendy, I'm going to ask you um, how your sure foot put how your sure foot pads play, can play a huge role in helping mobilize this area and sending sensory feedback to the brain. So. 
um, and, and, and I'll again, open the floor to you here in a bit. Awesome. Um, just to be clear, the amount of movement in that bone, we're talking movement, but we're talking small movements. And, yeah. and adjusting that or working with that is a trained professional because you have to Absolutely. have the experience and the feel to know what's appropriate. Absolutely. It's not a, it's not a joint that moves like an extension and flexion joint like this. Right. It, it's, it's a rocker boat. It just wiggle, 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 wiggles in there. Yep. And my osteopathic teacher, Yannick Vlugin from the Vlugin Institute, mm -hmm. he, he always instructs his students that the joints that have the smallest amplitude, meaning the joints that produce the smallest movement, if those joints lose their mobility, they tend to have the largest ramifications on the body. And I think that's one of those, those joints that um, can play a big role in, in the overall healthy motion and mobility of, of the horse. Because yeah. it's also so intimately um, connected to the horse's ability to masticate. And we're not going to go into dentistry today, no. but I'm, I'm just going to put a disclaimer <laughs> that if the teeth are not right, this whole system will, will, will be affected. Dentistry always scares me. I was like, that's a can of worms I don't want to open because it's just so vast. But if you don't have a good balanced mouth, all of this is going to be affected. And, and I know you've spoken with Ida and, and the connection between the feet and the TMJ, which we're going to look at here shortly. Oh, and this system is enormous. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. I know there's a lot of people that are raising their hands and asking questions, but in lieu of making sure that we keep moving forward, I am not um, asking Jillian all those questions. Okay. Um, I, I will ask this one while you're taking a drink because I think that it's actually uh, pertinent. Um, and some people worry about uh, riding bitless and whether or not you can injure the hyoid. And, and my perspective is part of it depends on the type of bitless bridle you're using because some of them cross and they don't release. And so now you're going to torque the jaw. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that's actually. Yeah, it, that's, that's a very good point. And I will speak to that just a little bit. Um, a couple years ago, I had the good fortune um, to take a dissection course with Ivana Ruddick. Oh, um, yeah. And Pam was there and Diane Zingle, and we had the greatest time. And Pam did a beautiful job of dissecting the um, hyoid apparatus. And what we were all absolutely amazed about was on the caudal portion of the hyoid or, or towards the rear facing, facing the horse's hindquarters, there's a very thick, strong um, cartilage tube, so to speak. It's called, and, and when, even if you're riding in a bitless bridle, if you crank that horse's head in, you're ramming that cartilage up into those soft structured areas. So don't be fooled that even if you ride in a bitless bridle, that you, you, you can't adversely affect these structures. This is why, for me, it's so important to know the functional anatomy of a horse. Because if you know what the horse is comprised of, then you know what you're affecting. Right. So whether you're riding in a bit or you're riding in a bitless bridle, you're still <clears throat> having an effect, <clears throat> excuse me, on, on, on the horse's mechanism. Right. All right. Awesome. And I have one last slide to share with you all.
let's see here. How do I find that again right there? Okay, and we go right here. Okay, so just to, to reiterate, we just looked at the horse's um, patrosal bone, okay? And that patrosal bone houses the external auditory meatus, which is your horse's inner ear. Now, when you look at that patrosal bone, that patrosal bone is a part of a larger bone of the horse's skull. Let's take a look at that. That larger bone that houses the patrosal bone is what's known as a temporal bone. And that temporal bone happens to be the upper border of your TMJ joint. So now you have no way of separating your hyoid from your TMJ. So the temporal mandibular joints, um, they, there are two uh, TMJs or temporal mandibular joints located on, on each side of the horse's skull. And I'll make my screen big again, so and I'll show you this on a horse's skull. And it connects the temporal bone of the maxilla or the upper portion of the skull to the mandible or the lower portion of the skull. So it connects where the jaw connects to the horse's skull. Um, the TMJ, again, this could be a, a talk all on its own. Um, in between the, the, the joint where the upper and the lower parts of the skull connect, there's actually an articular disc. Like, it's not exactly like the discs in your back, but there is um, a disc that separates the two, the two bony structures. And the TMJ is highly, highly, highly innervated with nerves. So innervated means it's plugged into like a, lock, like a light socket. This joint has many, 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 many nerves plugged into it, okay? So it um, communicates extensive proprioceptive input to the brain. So basically what that means is it takes all this information from the outside world. It detects it and sends messages to the brain. And this is just a highly um, evolved joint for that very purpose. Um, uh, it provides uh, balance information for the head, jaw, and the neck. And many people consider it a gyroscope because it just helps the horse determine where it is in time and space. And you can't isolate it from the hyoid mechanism as you can see from what we've just talked about. Okay, it's all intimately connected. So I'm going to make my screen um, big one more time, and I'm going to show you the TMJ joint on the horse. And then, Wendy, I'd like to ask you how you have found the surefoot pads to, to communicate with this very system. Because with my experience, even though I'm not yet trained, um, from others that I have worked with and have learned from who are trained with the surefoot pads when they put horses on those pads it just blows my mind to find them shifting their weight and finding their balance and talking to that stomatonathic system which the hyoid is an intimate part of so i'm um, gonna make my screen uh 
small one more time. Okay. And I'm gonna bring a different skull here. Okay, here's a bigger skull. And I'm gonna show you up close. Again, right here is your external um, auditory meatus where the horse's uh, inner ear mechanism lives. That's the petrosal bone. And that petrosal bone is a part of a larger bone right here called the temporalis bone. And that temporalis bone is your upper border of your TMJ. So that's where the horse hinges. So cool. Okay. And you can see how you cannot delineate the hyoid apparatus for the, from this entire mechanism. Okay. So for me as a rider, what I feel so passionate about is being educated about this and, and where I feel so blessed that I got to learn from Mark Russell, because what he taught me was how to educate horses to the bridle through the mouth. And he consistently talked about the horse has to release the tongue. He has to release the hyoid. He has to release the TMJ so that you have access to the horse's spine. And it's about educating the horse. It's not something that he's born knowing how to do. It's something that we educate the horses to do. And if we can educate the horses, then we have access to his body. Then we can shape his body in a way that makes it easiest for him to carry us so that they can be developed through certain postures to carry our weight so that they can live, hopefully, a life that is full of health and vitality and, and longevity, and that we can be an important part of that journey because we know what structures we're working with. And that just keeps going back to that quote, which is the person who knows how will seek out the person who knows why on his path to mastery. So, I hope this gives you some more whys because uh, it gives you a better understanding of the structure and how we might be influencing that structure. So, um, Wendy, I would just love to hear more because we haven't had a chance to, to yes, visit yeah. about this in person, but it's just been a burning question in my mind is how those surefoot pads talk to this this incredibly important stomatonathic system. You know, I mean, this is, this is the burning question and, and your quote is so perfect because I, I know how, I know that it does, but I don't know all of the ways in which the pads are influencing the horse and through the hyoid apparatus through the foot is one of those pathways. And this is, this is why I've been doing these webinars really is because I keep asking all these different people from all these different perspectives, how they think Surefoot is having the effect it's having, and everybody's right, and that's the beauty of it. Everybody's cool. right, you know. And so with the hyoid, I mean, the key for me in terms of the hyoid, because one of the most common things we see with horses when they are on Surefoot pads is we see breathing changes in three to ten seconds. We see wow. licking and chewing, yawning, uh, jaw. You know, they'll move their jaw. They'll they'll do this little head shake. And so we know we're influencing that whole system. 
and the connection for me is through the muscular connection from the hyoid to the sternum and to the inside of the shoulder, which you talked about um, in the beginning, is those muscular connections. Because how else can putting the foot on a pad be causing all of that change in the jaw and in the, and you'll see the face, you'll see the face soften, you see the neck soften. And so it's the only way that I can explain that is through this whole hyoid apparatus all the way down to the sternum, which of course is into the back as well. You yeah. Know, you hit the sternum, they don't have a collarbone. So now we're looking at the whole thoracic sling and the whole way that they can engage their thoracic sling to carry their chest or not, um, and whether or not that's equal. And so it just, it's, um, it's this, this, fascial neuromuscular connection um, I, i'm sure that meridians are involved but this connection from the foot going up into the shoulder through the hyoid or to the hyoid through the whole apparatus and you know i have um i have a person over in australia her name is robin larson and she got her pads and went to an endurance ride to work on horses and it's the Shaharazad. It's a 400K endurance ride over five days. They do 80K a day, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And she'd been going for six years and working on these horses at the stops. And for five years, she'd seen this compression pattern that would start at the withers and move down, right? And she'd see it wind up in the legs. Well, mm -hmm. she simply used sure foot pads uh, with only one or two feet for two to three minutes per stop her horse. And at the end of the five days, there was none of the compression pattern that she had seen for the previous five years. That's so cool. It's so mind blowing to think that, you know, I mean, these horses are still being ridden. They're still under tack. They're still doing 80 Ks a day, but the system kept getting reset somehow so that you didn't have the muscular tension pattern that would of course affect the tongue and the jaw, even if you're bridalless, you know, it's going to affect the whole system. Um, and so, you know, I think it's the hyoid to me is, a, is such a gyroscope for organizing the body in space and for proprioception. But at the same time, it's connected to the thoracic spine, you know, the whole chest area, the rib cage, and that's connected through the front legs to the feet. So, you know, it really is this global influence that the pads have on the whole body. And it's, just, you know, I mean, I'm still, I've been doing this for eight years and every time I see a horse on a pad and it changed, it's just mind blowing that, it, you know, it's mind blowing. It's, yeah, you know? it, it is just so cool, Wendy. And I, I, I so look forward to some brainy person actually in, you know, doing a research study on it. You know, the other thing that, that I think about is it's so hard for us sometimes to relate to horses because we have a collarbone. So our, our sternum is always centered. So our body is always pretty centered in between our, our arms, whereas the horses can move in a, in a multitude of ways. And, and, and that's what leads to so much crookedness. And when I think about the surefoot pads, we also have, have to look at you know when you're talking about the endurance horse the the cybernetic muscles the the little tiny muscles that, that support all the joints and 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 they are innervated um way more than the locomotive muscles the big muscles so right. like if a horse gets fatigued like in an endurance ride and he has to switch over to those locomotive muscles to get him through because he's tired 
then they shut those little cybernetic muscles, those little supporting muscles off, which is, you know, throughout the entire spine and, and the limbs and the, and, and the joints and so forth. But if there's, if they, if they go on those sure foot pads, you use the most awesome works. I think that's what happens is it resets them. Yeah. It's like resetting a, a, a multifidus muscle or something like, Oh, the multifidus muscle between this segment, it has been turned off. How, how, how do we get it back online? And I think the sure foot pads must in some way refire or bring some of these like important stabilizer muscles back online. Yeah. And Pam's, Pam's like fascia, Wendy. <laughs> oh, I know. She's a fascia queen. And yeah. <laughs> so, and, and after talking to Martina, uh, we, I had Martina Neardhart on a couple of weeks ago. And what she told me about fascia that I had never known was because I, I, I took embryology in college, right? So I, I have a master's degree in equine reproductive physiology and I took oh, embryology cool. way back. And you know, I talk about the blastomere and the first tube to form is your, your, your gut and you have all these sphincter muscles and how important they are as core. For me, core is your sphincter muscles, not your abdominal muscles. Um, but she was saying how the fascia is forming on these cells in the blastomere. So the fascia is there already, right? And so, so it, cool. it's a nervous system. It's really primitive and really powerful. And so, you know, um, it, yeah, the, it's like the more I know, the less I know, the more I understand Surefoot, the less I understand Surefoot, the more I ask people how it's working, the less I understand how it's working. <laughs> totally. I'm like, I don't know anything. Oh, you know what? It doesn't matter because the horses go, oh, thank you. You know, this is awesome. Do it again, you know? And it's like, yeah, sure, we can do it again. And, uh, oh, that's so, that's so cool. I wonder, do you mind if I just pull up my last slide? Oh, yeah, go for it. Be because I think it might be that gal in Australia that you talked about. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is actually here in Virginia. Yeah, oh, isn't it? No, I like this picture. Yeah, this talking about. Was, you know, he was kind of a nervous Nelly kind of guy. You know, he had had some issues. He'd had some training issues, and um, he hadn't been ridden for a while. And the woman was bringing him back into riding, and so she asked me to come, and um, I, I, uh, I put him on pat. And this horse just yawned and yawned. But you can see that it's it's not your typical yawn and that it's going all the way up into the tmj and all the way up into his ears you know and it makes me want to i know I'm it not, does it's the same thing <laughs> i'm not a psychopath because i want to yawn with the horse no not not at all and look at the nostrils even and how you know it's so affecting all of the facial muscles and uh, you know the whole thing and yeah it was crazy um and this is the thing you have to realize is this is very typical that not all horses yawn on pads, but when they do, it's usually these really um, deep, big yawns that wow. are, um, you know, people go, well, is it a tension yawn? No, it's a letting go yawn. I, you know, it's absolutely a letting go yawn. It's really cool. It does it make I, me I just, I just thought it was like the perfect picture to, you know, to show the, yeah. that there's, that there truly is a, a connection here. Yep, that's great, that's awesome. Well, this has just been a uh, fascinating, and I, you know, Jillian, I think you and I could just go on for hours and geek out on a lot of stuff because uh, I don't know if you've ever met John Zahurik. 
um, the anatomy. Oh. oh, anatomy and clay. So um, John Zavoy. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I know of him, but I haven't done it, and I so want to do it. Oh yeah, no. So back in '99, um, I did my first one at MSU, and Hillary Clayton's, uh, Susan Harris, uh, Joyce Harmon. I mean, the room was full of uh, interesting characters. Great. And yes. I organized um, four workshops in Leesburg, Virginia. We did uh, horse, advanced horse human and then comparative we did human in two forms horse and dog and so we were building the muscles uh, at the end you know you build it on the human and then on the horse and then on the dog and then you just go back and you and you could see the chains uh, oh. of muscles that it's so unique to do it that way i you know um but so yeah my love of multifidus comes from john zahorek it's my favorite muscle um and so cool. there's fascia <laughs> i know <laughs> I know, and, and I just, I mean, the fascia just, it's like dentistry, it just blows my noggin, and my, whoo, yeah, it's, yes. wow, it's amazing. Yeah, so, and, and like, like, five years ago, I had a couple young people ask me, if you were going to get into the horse world, you know, what would you do? And I said, study fascia, it's like, it's like the new thing, and um, last year at the, at the osteopathic conference, they did a lot on fascia in this this region, and I haven't yet. They're they're selling the conference now. You can buy the conference speakers, oh, cool. and uh, they did one where they dissected the whole larynx, pharynx, hyoid, and they talked about the layers of fascia there. So I'm just itching to get into that. So I'll have to pick Diane and Pam's brain. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? What I I so appreciate everybody that I've been talking to in terms of the professionalism and the scientific perspective and the um, objective nature of the conversations that, uh, you know, we're all here to make horses and riders work together in a better way. And um, yeah, that's totally. the, that for me with Surefoot is it's, it's, it's giving back to horses what they've given to me all my life. And I feel like with Surefoot, I'm just the steward. I'm just the, you know, I'm just the one that gets to carry this vehicle forward into the world. It's literally taken over my life in eight years. Um, my my whole basement is now, a sh you know, <laughs> Surefoot. Yes. Um, but it's just, it's so much fun to talk to people like you and see the how we can collaborate with our information for the betterment of all horses and all the people that love horses and want to do, you know, it's like some people go, I'm just going to quit riding. It's not about quitting riding. It's, I think horses in many ways, actually, when they find the right job, really love being ridden and they love the stimulus, the mental stimulus. And so it's, it's our do. responsibility to do that in the most humane way possible with the knowledge that we have and to keep adding to our body of knowledge so that we keep moving forward, accepting that we're human, that we're going to make mistakes, that we're, you know, there's horses that I think back on and go, oh my God, what did I do there? But I didn't have the knowledge. And it's when we fail to use that knowledge to improve the, what we're doing in real time, that that's the sin. And that as we gain knowledge, we must keep using that knowledge and teaching it to others. And I thank you so much for the knowledge that you have shared today because it's been super educational and powerful and so generous of you to, um, to do this webinar with me tonight. So thank you very uh -huh. much. I'm honored that you asked me and, and, and just to echo your, your sentiments, I, I, you know, I come from a line of old cowboys who always wanted to 
not share their secrets. Mm, yeah. You know, and, um, and I never understood that because if it's about the horse, why wouldn't we want to share and, and make it really truly about the horse? Yeah. So, and, well, that's and, what we're doing now. Yeah. So thank you so much, Wendy. Are you I, welcome? So, I can't wait so to meet you in November. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I look forward to many more, many more connections. Absolutely. And thank you everyone for joining us. This has been yes, just thank a you. webinar. Um, you can find all the webinars on my Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. Just go out there. They're, they're all there. They're free. You know, share them with your friends and enjoy them. And, um, and I'll see you tomorrow because tomorrow we're going to do osteology. More bones. Go meet Pam. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, we Katie. went in a little test and I saw her bone room. I saw Pam's bone room and I was like, oh, I want to crawl in there. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. I haven't been yet, but I'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I haven't been. I just saw it on video, but we're going to get there. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we can go together. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Field trip. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for joining me and yep. us. All right. Okay. Take care. Good night, everybody. And Bye. Bye-bye.